Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to season five of Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and joining me today on this podcast are my co-hosts, Matthew Aguilar, Janelle Wheeler, Connor Casey, and joining us, special guest from Comic Book Anime, Mr. Nick Valdez is here. And guys, we have a lot to get through. Do it all for geek culture. We're never kidding about that. And today we've got to talk about a lot. Ironically, we're glad we have Nick here because it's going to be kind of anime, kind of Eastern heavy this week, but uh, that's just the way the week is shaping up. So on today's show, we've got to talk about, we're going to give you our reactions to the new Mad Max Furiosa trailer. We got to talk about a Suicide Squad anime trailer that just dropped. We've got to talk about the phenomenon that is Squid Game, the challenge, because if you haven't been paying attention to our feeds, we got into this earlier this week, but the new episodes are here and we've got to discuss. Plus, we are going to review the new film, Godzilla Minus One, and we have to talk about some big things happening in comic. Plus, you know, Matt's here, so he's got a little bit of an agenda that he's always got to pop off on. So let's get into all of that. And starting right up at the top, uh, yeah, like I said, if you haven't been subscribing to Comic Book Nation, to our podcast feeds on Spotify and on Apple, or to our comic book YouTube channel, we dropped another episode this week after the Thanksgiving holiday. We hit you with that uh, DC Superman legacy casting breakdown. Everybody who's been cast in the film, what it's looking like, what it means for the larger DCU, be sure to check out that episode. And over Thanksgiving, I got sucked into this Squid Game, The Challenge kind of uh, reality show and we had I'm so glad you did <laughs> interesting first opinions about all that so be sure to check out that episode in addition to this one this week all right that's my whole spiel uh Connor Casey it was a good episode too though it was really good I feel like we got oh, yeah. some hot takes yeah yeah we had a you know we had a lot of fun after a nice Thanksgiving break we had a lot to discuss but uh Connor Casey we got hit with something last night uh the first trailer for Mad Max Furiosa Furiosa, a Mad Max saga. I feel like this thing was announced back in like 2018. It seemed like such a random idea. But George Miller is going back to the world of Mad Max, hopefully at least one more time. We've got a prequel to Mad Max Fury Road uh, based around Charlize Theron's character, now portrayed by Anna Taylor-Joy. I think it's they said it's 45 years before the events of Fury Road. Uh, 40, I think. Yeah. So it's quite a bit of time. Or no, it's 40 years after the fall, it says. Okay, yeah. so enough time, obviously enough time for her to turn into Charlize Theron by the time we see her and Tom Hardy team up. 
this trailer looks absolutely bonkers. I remember when this dropped, I was guesting on the show at the time. And I my whole thought was, do we really need a prequel for something like this? It's Mad Max. You just you just plop, plop him into wherever and go nuts. But honestly, th- this kind of this this trailer changed my tune mostly because it's just George Miller getting to play in the Mad Max Fury Road world again. So we get to see all the crazy visuals, the insane action sequences. It's almost kind of irrelevant that it's Furiosa if you had named her anything else and then just run with it. We'd all still be jumping into the theaters right now trying to watch this thing. Uh, the trailer looks awesome. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm day one for this one. Yeah, I mean, Mad Max Fury Road is something that I saw. And I mean, I think I instantly gave that either a 4.4 or a 5 or a 5 out of 5 as a pretty much a modern classic when I saw that in the 2010s. And um, yeah, this was an interesting prospect because there was a lot of craziness with that film and how it came together. and almost didn't come together, but it did do what was great about Fury Road was it was very much like a short story. Like I granted it was a feature length, but it was one long chase scene that had kind of a short story element of giving you 45 years after the collapse Mm. as the trailer saying. So you were right. Um, The basic brushstrokes of a lot of things without delving into them, what had happened to Max, what had happened to Furiosa, kind of Immortan Joe's whole setup and with his wives and that a, whole thing. A lot of visuals that imply other things that we never yeah. see. But we go, oh, this got dark. Yeah. And there's just like, there was all this kind of implication written into that story that made you have kind of value and stakes in the actual chase taking place. So I, I always knew there was room to expand, especially Furiosa, the green place, her whole journey and kind of what leads her to that day of fury road and you you always got the you you got the impression that you know she had earned her spot as like this lead war rig driver and that you know it it wasn't because she was timid it's because she clearly by that time had gone through some stuff and so getting to see her in these formative stages is is interesting enough and like you said it's a world of mad max we get to play in and even though we know how the story ends, there's some interesting things happening. You know, other civilizations, Chris Hemsworth's character alone is worth just kind of checking this out. And yeah, it, it's going to be another good time in vehicular mayhem. It, it's going to be abundant. And this doesn't even get us into all that yet. Mm-mm. This isn't even the footage of like, yeah, what they've been doing out in the desert, crashing things, which is amazing. So all I need to know is that Chris Hemsworth ends up being guitar man and then I will be complete in my life if he just ends up being guitar guy uh that'd be that'd be great and it's just a guitar guy origin story yes, really that's um, what we need but george miller's back like anya taylor joy is you know just killing it right now and looks like a just fine great stand-in for Charlize theron and yeah i'm interested about what this new story is all about it looks a little bit more intricate than what we got in fury road which was literally like a race to one place and then back if you ever saw bad times at the El Royale, Emsworth can play a hell of an intimidating villain if given the chance. Oh, yeah. So this this doesn't feel like stunt casting to me. I feel like they picked the right guy for this kind of well, he's like coming out in a chariot at one point. Yeah. Like oh yeah. And he's, he's got like the vest on, like he's coming out of the black parade. Like dude's gonna have a ton of fun with it. Oh yeah, it's not Thor. He's gonna be Ooh. he's gonna be having some fun with this. Uh let's go to the board and to our satellite people. Janelle, what do you think about this trailer? Oh man, I'm so excited. 
I am I am absolutely pumped. Like I this is everything. Um I actually did not even know that this came out until I looked at our overview for this for the show today and I lost it. I was so excited. Um it's it's interesting to me that it hasn't been kind of promoted more that like I of all people wouldn't even know about this which to me like I feel like they need to be advertising a little bit more because this trailer's fabulous. It's so exciting. You know, we've got like the girl power thing going on and um, I love like post-apocalyptic stuff anyways. But yeah, I, I love backstory. I love any type of like growth. Like I love character development. And so I feel like we're going to get that in this, which is really, really awesome because I've always thought that the story is really cool, but you're just kind of like thrown into the world and you are supposed to just like the characters. And I, I need more than that. So I'm hoping this gives me that. I'm pumped. Matt, Nick, what are you guys? What are you guys feeling? I mean, this is her odyssey, so I am very excited to see what that means. And you know, it already looks fantastic. I know there was a weird, there's been a weird debate online about like CG, but if you watch Fury Road, it's basically like there's CG in every single shot in that movie. So I don't know. It, the only thing is, Fury Road is a basically a perfect movie. And, you know, this is a follow-up to it. It's been such a long time, so I don't think there's any of that pressure, but it's also going to inevitably be compared to a perfect movie. And now if this is also perfect, hey, we're in the we're in the ballpark here. I, I can't wait. Maddie, close us out. What'd you think about this? Uh, no, it looks, it looks dope. I, I mean, I think you guys all, you know, really, you know, I'm not like the biggest Mad Max person, like in general, but I really enjoyed the first one. Um, and so I, I like prequels, like I'm always very keen to see what they can do, uh, with the material. So here, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, they based it around the right character. I, I think that already has me hooked. So great trailer. <laughs> All right. We will be definitely keeping an eye on this one. And you know, we're going to have a whole breakdown episode when this comes out, we'll be doing a whole spoilers dig in when that movie hits. So stay tuned for that because looks like it's going to be a good time all right moving right along nick explain to us we got a suicide squad anime trailer and uh what, what's going on here what's going on here what are we getting yes so it's officially called suicide squad isekai and for anime fans who already know this and for those at home who don't isekai is basically just the word they use for another world and this is what you see in the first full trailer which is the members of the Suicide Squad go to another world and there's like, it looks like some kind of fantasy world with monsters and stuff like that. So, um, but the big thing here is for anime heads who, you know, who might be excited for this, it's from Wit Studio, which is the same studio that did Attack on Titan's first three studio, uh, seasons. It did, uh, they're working on Spy Family right now. And it's also got the writer from ReZero starting life in another world, which is considered one of the best modern isekai series so you got all that all this cred behind it and this is on top of already such a wild idea of throwing dc's characters not only into an anime but throwing them into another world in another anime so it's like it, it's this it's basically like a turducken and i can't i can't <laughs> wait to see how this goes from here because you have you know you have peacemaker and clayface and they're voiced by 
big honchos from the anime world. Like you got Dio, the guy who voices Dio is voicing one of them. You have people like the guy who voices Toto from Jujutsu Kaisen is voicing one of them. You have voices from uh, all sorts of wild things. I can't wait to see what it is. Like it's and it's coming in 2024. There's no exact release date yet, but be excited for it. I am. Yeah, no, I mean, I think DC is smart to get in on this. Like, this looks in, like, this set of characters works. And kind of, I like that they're leaning into the isekai, like, whole genre of it on, which is, like, basically, for us Americans, it's, it's portal anime. It's, an, it's anime, like, in stories or manga that takes you, as Nick said, through a portal to another world, somewhere else, dimension, parallel, virtual world, whatever. And I like that they're having kind of meta fun with this. And especially in characters like Harley Quinn, who is going to, again, get a chance to really kind of cut loose and shine in this. But it's good because anime is like one of the most popular, you know, genre forms right now. And DC animation is a long time goat in the animation genre. And it looks like this will be a whole lot of fun. And, you know, as somebody who even enjoyed Batman Ninja, like this looks like much better than that. So. I'm kind of I'm kind of really psyched for this. Yeah, I, I gotta I say it's also part of their big thing, right? About DC stretching into manga because they've uh, earlier this year, you know, they really like shifted their reader and they brought out like you know introduced like three new series and they're they keep expanding that world and Black Label, so like all of that goes together so well. And in fact, when I first saw this, I thought it was like a, a essentially an adaptation of their Joker series and spinning with that, but it's it kind of becomes its own thing midway through. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I was in from suicide squad, but, but this is awesome. Like this looks so fun. I love that King shark continues to get respect. Uh, handsome clay face. People are pointing out already. Like it's, it's dope. <laughs> it's dope, man. It looks, it looks cool. I, I'm all in on this. Yeah. I, I wasn't a, I wasn't a huge fan of Batman Ninja, but the fact that we've got such a prestigious studio working on this and you want to talk about characters that can translate well to the anime genre, Harley Quinn, Clayface, King Shark, Deadshot, like these guys are going to have a field day mapping out these action sequences for these guys. This, this is going to be a blast. Janelle, as somebody who's only okay on animation, but really high on Harley Quinn and Joker, where do you fall with this? Yeah, I mean, as long as Joker's hot, we're good. <laughs> and like most anime is pretty hot. So uh, like they, they draw the heck out of these, these characters. So he looked kind of cool, creepy and twisted, but sexy. So we'll see. <laughs> okay, there you have it, folks. Yo, yo. That is as good as the closing uh, I think we've ever had on this segment. <laughs> Well, so then I'll just, go. like, take on over and talk about Squid Game. <laughs> yeah, like, um, yeah, we go on uh, comicbook.com DC and comicbook.com anime and check out either one and check out this uh, Suicide Squad isekai trailer because, uh, yeah, this is going to be fun. They are really I, trying yeah, to... I will watch this. Like, up. Yeah, I will watch this. I'm not an anime person, and yet they have me. Like, I want to awesome. see it. So Awesome. Then, then, you know what? It's doing its job. So yeah. I'm excited as, as someone whose job it is to cover this stuff. That yeah. is exciting for me in many ways. <laughs> well, All right. Janelle, why don't you keep it going? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're already on a roll. Keep it going. Speaking of hot, I'm just kidding. I don't know what that has nothing to do with it. Speaking of like terrifying, uh, we did get the challenge um, of the Squid Game. We got the second volume of that released on Netflix, and it 
I was really excited to conclude the show. And then I realized after watching a few episodes that there's still going to be another one. (laughs) So uh, if you are following this, it has been really intense um, and and quite like it's built in difficulty and challenge. And I really do feel like these next episode, the releases are very rewarding. If you are a fan of the original Squid Game, um, it especially like the platform episode, <laughs> like they do this like funky camera trick where they make it look like the fall is infinite. Like it's so funny because I'm like, there's clearly like they're not falling that far, but they make it look like you are falling forever, like into a black hole of despair. So um, it's very rewarding for fans who love Squid Game. And I guess we're just going to kind of like weigh in. There was the marbles game, which I love that they introduced these things to the care, like to, to the contestants in a different way. So they don't know what to expect. And then when it happens, um, that was the cliffhanger that we had is, Oh, break off into pairs and you're going to have a picnic. And then at the end of the picnic, it's like, Oh, by the way, you're playing that person that you picked. But to me, like, duh. When I saw that, I was like, guys, come on, don't choose your friend. Don't choose your mom. Um, I will say like both of my favorite characters or I keep saying characters, contestants are gone. They feel like they feel like characters. They really do. That's how they get you. Yeah. It's, well, they get it's you. well done. It's been well done in that way. Yeah. 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 yeah no. And it's, it's oh, so pretty good. good. Uh, the, yeah, the glass bridge and the dice game, the circle of trust. Was that a new addition? Mm-hmm. I don't remember yes. that. That was, oh, yeah. it was so cool. Cause well, yeah. Cause in the original series, the glass bridge is the last one before it gets down to the final three. Okay, remember? Cause then it explodes and then someone is injured. I don't want to accidentally spoil it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it's the circle of trust is brand new. It's one of the like it's a new game, you know, because before that the only things new were really the tests and the battleship one. Yeah. But that circle of trust is so cool because the Haunted. whole time, right? The yeah. whole time they're trying to work together. And now it's like, no, here's when you all that's supposed to go out of the window. <laughs> I would have loved to see the mother and son in that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I wanted to bring this up because I know some people are probably listening to us and being like, Kai Pug Nation, why are you guys now doing like reality shows? <laughs> we are like, reality fans, though. A lot of us yeah, in are. here. Yes. Are. Yeah. But like this one is fascinating because of what Squid Game was. And it's the human element, is what we were getting into, why I put it into the other show and was like, you know, we got to get in on this because it's the producers do such a good job. And Janelle, who is, if you are just listening to us now, is a reality show alumni. She was on American Idol in the 2010s. And like, but you were breaking down for us, like how things get steered behind the scenes to really, oh yeah, producers are just pulling the strings. And emotionally to get them to certain places for the show. Mm -hmm. And the producers of this show are doing it so well. Like they get people into these places where when they had that picnic, they were at such a point that they were so happy to be like, oh my God, like, yes, we finally get to relax with somebody we love and things. And then they <laughs> turned around into the Marvel game, which was fascinating to watch. And I did a whole breakdown of that episode about the different storylines in it. Yeah. But you just feel like it's fascinating to see like the human psychology on display in here. Some people can't even work together. They'd rather die. Two people would <laughs> rather, quote unquote, die or get eliminated <laughs> than compromise and meet each other in any kind of way which is fascinating to me. I am just Kofi, like, Kofi, that's why I got eliminated. 
by the way, was you're it? just like, you're reminding me of this. That's why I got eliminated because I was too malleable. Uh, so basically <laughs> the first live shows, I had like three different songs picked out and it's a very limited list. It's like 15 songs and there's, you know, not, there's not a lot of people and, and we're all trying to figure out and scramble. And so I had twice I gave up my song because I was like, oh, I'm a professional. It's okay. You can have it. Like I'll find a different song instead of fighting for, for what I wanted. I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I just want to be like malleable and easy to work with. And it definitely bit me in the butt at the end. And that is so funny. Cause as you're saying that I'm like realizing, oh my gosh, I totally fell for that trap and I didn't realize it. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> you're a good person. Like my umbrella cookie man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. why. That's Poor why guy. Squid Game the challenge has been so great because the whole time they're like, oh yeah, let's let's work together, let's do this. And so many people who get eliminated during the dice game are self. There are self eliminations. They, they nominate themselves. Yeah. It's kind of like what Janelle said was like instead of fighting for it, they were like, okay, what's coming next? I better put myself on the line. And no, like this isn't how it works. Yeah, as, you know, I don't have the hands on experience that <laughs> Janelle has, but as someone who covers reality shows like Drag Race and Big Brother for a living, this is sort of taking all that social game aspect and twisting it and blending it with the the cruelty almost of Squid Game. And you get like, it's, it's top tier television. You know, I see reactions where people are like, oh, you shouldn't be making fun of this guy for crying at his elimination. You shouldn't be making fun of this. But also, that's kind of reality TV. <laughs> yeah. That's what it does. This is reality yeah. TV. Kind of like for we, the carnival. Yeah, yeah, like this is this is what we're here for. And if this is someone's first experience with it, it's honestly a great one. I don't think you can ask for a better first reality game show competition. Yeah. No. I um, thought it was going to be more physical too. And it's actually like so mental, the whole thing. And I will say this, as soon as you take away a person's phone and like, like connection to a world outside of the bubble like that's when you start to really lose it and also the biggest thing for me was sleeping in a space with a stranger yeah. that like <laughs> messed me up i had to share a room a hotel room with a stranger and and it, it's like you don't i'm an adult like i don't want to share my sleeping like safe space with people like that's a mind that's a mind um, bad word that I can't say on this podcast <laughs> alone. So try putting that with like everyone on the show, like 50 people. I can't even imagine. It's so crazy. Especially a show where you know one episode is people get shanked in the night when they're sleeping. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Oh, That's a little bit God. different. But um, no, so but funny. like the second batch of episodes to kind of close it up was really good. And the tests they they put in were really good. Like I liked the the presence of the Allegiance game test where you like, you know, pick somebody has to pick somebody behind him and see who's left over. And especially the circle of trust game. Like that was fascinating. And to see the people who rose up and were able to figure out and deduce like who was trying to get them out and doing all that. Like, man, this show is great. I even got my wife hooked. She was like, yeah, okay, buddy. When I was like, come on, you got to watch this. She started one episode. She's like, all right, I'm, I'm hooked. Here. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you know, we're going to be here to talk about the finale because I got to see how this ends up. The three that ended up in the uh, top three. We got uh, one dark horse, one guy you thought nice guy might not finish, and then somebody who I think is the fan favorite. So it's going to be interesting to see where this all ends up. But 
thank you, Squid Game, for coming and helping us around this uh, holiday season again. <laughs> and I'm still with the idea of starting the second season by making you think it's the reality show until somebody really gets shot. And then we're like, whoa. And then it's just like season two. Of, Netflix, yeah. hire me. I invented this pitch. Go for it. I, I think yeah, <laughs> I've been trying to get it around town. I think it's I think it's brilliant. But um, check that out. That's Squid Game, the challenge on Netflix. It's sweeping the nation. Good morning, America. I was talking about it yesterday because they're late. And they just watch Comic Book Nation or something. Michael Strahan. Get up with the- <laughs> um, but after that bit, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we got to talk about Godzilla Minus One. Had a lot of hype. We got to talk about it. We're also going to get into a little bit of tabletops in a big comic event in Marvel this week that has the internet going off. So stay tuned for all of that. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. Time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of comicbook.com. Now we're all caught up to the live stream. All right, so (laughs) we are back live. And now in this second half of the show, we are going to be reviewing the new movie, Godzilla Minus One. So Godzilla Minus One is now in theaters and it is coming on to us kind of riding a big wave of hype where it was the best Godzilla movie yet, best Godzilla movie they've seen in years. And I was just like, okay, all right. Toho was releasing this. There was a lot of it that felt like throwback to original Godzilla movies. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to go check this out. I want to know what it's about. Let's let's see what we're doing here. And I went out and I saw it last night. Connor Casey, you went out and saw it. Nick Valdez went out and saw it. And yeah, I don't know, man. I came out of this kind of shaking. Like, uh, this is like, man, I'm just going to put this out here. I didn't want to start any smoke or any beef, but like, I don't believe any of these pundits anymore. I I just don't believe it. I don't believe the whole system. Film Twitter, I don't believe you. I don't believe what you say. There's been a year full of people telling me things and me going out and being like, right. Like that Dr. Evil, like, right. No, um, for me, I get it. And first of all, before I know, because I know what I'm about to step into here. I know that a lot of Godzilla fans are going to come at me with the flaming atomic breath, but here I stand nonetheless. I get I'm not ignorant as to what Godzilla minus one was, okay? It was, from the very beginning, it was very apparent that they were doing a throwback pick to the original Toho kind of Godzilla movies. I get the subject matter was about 
getting back to the original Godzilla concept, which was this metaphor for the horrors of World War II and Japan's experience in World War II, this movie is clearly kind of taking on a thematic thing of examining the lasting legacy of the war and the immediate aftermath period of the war. Um, this is set in like 1945, 46, 47. Mm-hmm. So the immediate aftermath of World War II, the bombing of Hiroshima, Nagasaki, and the way the kind of plot settles in is literally these guys going up in a group of guys cleaning up the kind of remnants of the war in and these things. And Godzilla obviously being a kind of metaphor for that now. So I'm not ignorant about what the movie was doing. Here's my whole thing. I don't think I agree with this whole kind of genre of throwback movies because I don't think it really serves anybody very well except hardcore fans just looking for nostalgia. I feel like when I watch a classic Godzilla movie, I'm not watching it for the same amount of gripping dramatic tension that I get from a modern movie. It's not possible. Mm -hmm. I watch it because it's an interesting encapsulation of what filmmaking was then how things are different like i watch classic movies to this day for that the historical insight to see wow this is how they shot a movie then this is how they did the special effects then you know there's that kitschy effect and this is what sensibilities and themes and thoughts were at the time that we preserve on film forever that's interesting recreating that just feels weird to me it felt just like it was low budget, but not in a good way and kind of cheesy and not in a good way. It would have been drama that I could see really working in 1950, but doesn't necessarily hit the same way in this story. And this story is very built on a human story underneath the Godzilla stuff. And so a lot of that like fell flat for me. And I- I'm not going to hide the fact that like several times I know some people either <laughs> got annoyed with me because several times I guess I have just started nodding off and snoring and like people were just like, Hey guy. And I was like, Oh, sorry, sorry. You know, sorry. But so this wasn't it for me. Um, okay. I even came home and I said, cause I went home and I fired up the latest episode of Monarch legacy of monsters. And I was like, yo, I'm kind of more invested in this. Say what you will about the monster verse franchise. But at this point, like I'm more invested in that than I am able to go back and like recapture the Toho magic of the past. So Godzilla minus one was just a minus one Mm. for me. But that's just me. I know Connor and Nick, you guys are probably going to have very different opinions on this. Nick, may I go first? All righty. I feel like we've swapped roles. I'm usually negative one on here. Someone bring up the flash so we can restore order. But anyway, um, I really dug this one. And I think that for me, and I think for a lot of fans, the reason it strikes a chord is that so many interpretations of Godzilla, whether it's the movies, cartoons, uh, comics, so many of them have Godzilla as the main character and the humans just have to be there almost as a requisite, like, we got to do this because, hey, someone needs to be able to talk in this, and Godzilla can't fill that role. And the humans always just feel like they're cannon fodder. They're around, they're going to kind of give their opinions on what's happening, but you're there to see Godzilla fight the monster of the week, or team up with Mothra to fight King Ghidorah, or fight Kong. That's, that's the main event of what we're going for with most of these movies. 
With this one, I actually cared about the human subplot. Instead of Godzilla being, oh, when is, I'm checking my watch as to when he's going to show back up. It's, no, I actually kind of want to see if these guys make it out of this thing in one piece. And if they're going to fight, if they're going to try and get rid of him because he keeps attacking people, how do you handle that? And when the answer isn't build Mecha Godzilla or revive King Ghidorah or Mothra to try to stop him, it's, no, we got to fight him with what we have and not even the Japanese military is going to help us out here because it's 1947 and we're all still kind of in tatters. This wanted to tackle a lot of this wanted to tackle a lot of bigger ideas than just hey, World War II was a mess, especially how it ended. Um, it, it goes after things like how does it, how do you recover as a people when you're on the losing end of a catastrophic war? So there's a lot of scenes of just them living in rubble and slowly building back up their way to some sort of sustainability. It, it goes after things like PTSD and survivor's guilt, which we often see from the American side of that conflict. We don't typically see from the Japanese side. Um, we go after things like kamikaze pilots and how those were viewed within the war in the army and how people at home viewed them. That's a topic we never really touch on, like from either side. We just don't talk about, hey, there were these pilots that did a certain thing. And there's a whole lot of psychology that goes into it. This movie's actually trying to tackle that. And then with Godzilla himself, it's not a, oh, what, why is he here? What's he doing? Is he a, is he trying, is he getting revenge for what happened? Is he, as the more recent American movies have tried to tackle, is he like the antibodies, the, the defense system for the planet that humans have gone just a little bit too far and now he's got to step in? It's no, he's just a dick. It's almost not it's it's not even it's not even 100 percent clear as to why he's just attacking people. There's like one very quick line about, oh, hey, the, the bombs that went off in the testing shortly after the war. That made him bigger. That seems to be what sets off certain events. But he's just he's got more in common with Mike Myers and the shark from Jaws than he does with most other interpretations of Godzilla. And the design is genuinely terrifying. Like, it, the he's scaly, but most of the scales look like flesh. The spikes pop out when he's about to shoot, as opposed to just glowing. And the eyes, Matt, you're probably going to get a kick out of this, but it reminded me of the wolf from Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Just the <laughs> red, dark, I know, it's a weird comparison, but those red... <laughs> dark eyes looking at you like run it, it, it sets off a fight or flight uh response as opposed to just oh hey it's it's big grumpy godzilla look at him oh, he's gonna destroy some buildings it's oh crap everyone needs to get out now and that hit me so much harder than the 2014 godzilla and the other more recent movies have just been they've been pure spectacle I've just wanted to see the fights. I care about nothing else. If you ask me to name a character from any of the last three big movies, I couldn't tell you. I could tell you the actors. Can't tell you the can't tell you their names. Can't tell you what they were about. Except for Vera Farmiga, wanted to do the Thanos plot. So this one actually really worked for me. Okay. I mean, I will say one positive thing is this had great sequences of tension of, like you said, there was no, there is no other monster coming. It's like, how do we figure out how to get out of this and away from Godzilla? And those sequences were actually pretty good. They were ten, they were tense. Nick, I'm curious as our resident anime expert here, how did you feel about this? 
so uh, setting the table a bit uh, even further, this is also part of uh, Godzilla's 70th anniversary. So there's a lot of that. There's a reason they went re went retro. Not only that, this is the first new Godzilla of the Reiwa era. So this the last the last huge movie. While we've gotten the Netflix anime trilogy, we've gotten Godzilla Singular Point. the The last real Godzilla movie that Toho actually made was Shin Godzilla. And if you compare the two, you can see similarities and you can see some big differences. But the key factor is that it's always focused on the people. And it's one of the big things that really stands out compared to the MonsterVerse version, which was also another big thing because the, the MonsterVerse deal, as uh, you all might remember, was only supposed to last a few years. It was only supposed to go like the trilogy almost. And now that we're getting a quadrilogy with it, and even more work with, you know, we have the Monarch Legacy of Monsters show. We have all of that stuff with Toho, with Legendary. And so Toho is kind of like now they're stepping their foot back in. And in a way, it's, you know, I, I agree with both of you. That's the thing is I agree with the fact that some of it didn't work for me. I wasn't a big fan of Shikishima's performance. Um, there, there are some stiff things of that nature of the way it's produced that kind of like, I don't want to say you can trim it because I'm not really good at that stuff. I can't say where you can cut, where you can do all that in, in terms of the messaging. But Godzilla itself was fantastic. Godzilla is introduced in this movie as a monster that kills and eats and mm -hmm. just that's it. And then when you get the atomic blast, you get all of that stuff. It's fantastic. Yeah. In terms of... Best atomic blast. Yeah. So in Banana. terms of yeah, like it, it's it's basically to show, hey, this is a country that's been stepped on and are being stepped on even more. And it's more about like Connor said, where it's the country trying to rebuild and trying to come back together as a people. And in that sense, the movie succeeds. It's when you don't. That's the unfortunate thing. Is that's where I also agree. Where it's like if you if you replace Godzilla with another thing, the movie still works. It's just, you know, the, the Godzilla scenes few and far between, they are great. And the movie itself has that great message, but that's where, like I said, I also agree where it's like, it doesn't always click, but I, as a Godzilla movie, as compared to a lot of the things we've seen in the last few years, and even Shin Godzilla, which also, had very, it had very little Godzilla in it when you compare it to this one, Shin Godzilla was more about the bureaucracy of people trying to fight Godzilla, and here it's we actually see some fighting against Godzilla, like that's pretty much a core asset of the movie. And in that sense, all this to say, I really enjoyed Minus One, I don't dislike it, I don't love it, but when I walked out of the theater, I was rex i was like wow what an experience and that's the thing it's it's tough because you know it is a foreign film and all this yada 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 etc cetera, etc cetera. but if you go in that theater you kind of need to see that atomic breath and you get a few of them and you, you kind of need to see this godzilla in theaters like i, I want to go back in ibex just to see those godzilla scenes but then you know you have the rest of the movie so <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I got, I mean, I will, I was heavy on it because of those dramatic scenes that I thought were, again, they weren't stiff, like as the actors, I think they were just told 
go back and watch like 1950s movies and this is what they're like. Mm. Those PTSD scenes were like straight out of a 1950s movie. But that's kind of doesn't work in modern sensibility. Anyway, I get I don't want to keep hammering that point. But yeah, the Godzilla scenes and like the action scenes were great. There were some of the Godzilla designs that looked a little under budgeted. Some of the head his arms, his arms can't quite move. Yeah, exactly. But no, like the atomic breath and all of that and those sequences is freaky. And yeah, like he is. And there's some other things I like that they did to the lore in this. Um, the MonsterVerse things, they made it like uh, like in Godzilla vs. Kong. It's almost like, or King of the Monsters, it's like this whole reverencing where Ken, uh, Ken Watanabe's, I almost said Ken Jong. Ken Watanabe's sacrifices himself to detonate the nuclear thing, and it's like, we are honoring Godzilla. I was like, bro, that's a nuclear bomb. I like in this movie that they make it very explicitly clear to you that our use of in the debut of nuclear power it comes at the cost of making this horrible thing stronger. Yeah. And that they're very clear about this right up until the ending. They're just like, yeah, this ain't going to end. Like this nuclear stuff you've done has set off this thing. And now this horrible monster is, you know, all but indestructible and and powerful because of that Mm -hmm. thing you did. And yeah. And so that was an interesting thing that they kind of, added into this and, so, I, and i really so like that brywood mentions in the comments obviously this was in no way intentional but this is a fascinating companion piece to oppenheimer because the big <laughs> criticism of that movie is that we don't see any of the perspective of the japanese people so this kind of being a metaphor for being on the receiving end of what oppenheimer creates makes for a fun little double feature somebody should do the mashup i would i would love to see it That'd be hilarious if they do, if they go and they have the scene from Oppenheimer of them dropping the bomb and then all of a sudden, no, you just cut and it's like the beginning of Godzilla. Like, like, yeah. All right. But, um, all right. So, I mean, let's just go around real quick for the three of us. I would say for a theatric, let's do this on theatrical experience. I would say, I agree with Nick that like the Godzilla scenes are awesome and epic, but I don't think there's enough in that movie to recommend it to people. So I'm going to say no for theatrical experience. Yes. For home viewing. Connor? I would say yes, because those spectacle scenes are so much fun at times that, and like when he tears through that one city and he's got the subway train in his mouth, I'm like, this is the stuff that if you were a kid, you were imagining looked like this when it's just the guy in the rubber suit. So I say go to IMAX, watch and check out those scenes and you can hop on your phone for the talky heavy scenes if it's just not clicking with you. That's a unique game. I wouldn't say go on your phone. Please don't do that in the theater. Please, please, please. But I would say go see the theater for two big reasons. One, it's, you know, it's a great movie. And secondly, it's it support the fact that it's a Japanese release that we got like three weeks after it hit Japan. And we're starting to see this. Like This is just the anime side of me talking where, you know, we have these big, pictures that hit in like you know it used to be they used to hit in a year right Mm -hmm. and then we get it a year later so if it would have came out this year we wouldn't have gotten it till like summer 2024 but this is such a quick turnaround that i want to see more of this i want to see people go to the theater support this kind of release that way you know when we get like a demon slayer movie it, it continues to come out like the week after it hits japan we need that stuff if not 
then we're going to be missing the mark on so much conversations like this. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, it's becoming one global marketplace. You might as well just start treating it that way. All right. So that is Godzilla minus one. One of our more contentious, I think, review debates we've ever had on here. Who knew? I think so. <laughs> I have to say, though, I am enjoying Legacy of Monsters. Monarch Legacy of Monsters is picking up for me. It's getting a little bit better. I'm getting invested in these. Speaking of human characters, I mean, for the same reason, I'm invested in these. Human I, I characters. know, but man, that latest episode, I'm just like, can we just get off the Alaska setting here, real quick? We yeah, just got I, to the end of the last just, episode. We've been there dread. for one episode. <laughs> I I agree with I agree with Connor in that regard. Like, it's let's let's pick it up here. It, like, to me, the, the show one episode. The girl's foot hits the water. I'm like, okay, that foot's gone. <laughs> and it just lingers for so long i'm like christ will you just get out of there Fuck <laughs> in the tundra you guys are nuts all right and let's move on let's just keep going matt it's time for you to cook buddy and we've been uh we've been quiet here roch marnock i think it's getting better i think it's better than this godzilla movie but that's just me all right <laughs> just had to slip that in there just had to put that last thing in there uh no so before we uh get started yes i do have an agenda here but uh before the show even started before you wonderful people got the chance to like watch and listen to the show uh me and and connor and nick were having an a nxt debate <laughs> we were talking about nxt <laughs> wrestling always brings out the uh you know the the joyful debateful side of things well nxt has uh an amazing roster of, of stars and deadlines coming up and I, I had the chance to speak to one such star and uh he had a little message for uh the comic book nation rich can we uh can we play that a little bit It'll happen here soon. Reporting to you live, the sexiest and most entertaining superstar live, Trick Williams, has finally arrived. I'm here with one reason and one reason only, and that's giving a shout-out to my brothers, the comic book nation. They always give you what you want. Make sure you give them a follow. Peace. I will just say, I will just add here that, uh, you know, you know, Mello, uh, Trick Mello gang, Mello is a, is a friend of the show. I was, I was told and corrected uh in an interview to say he was a friend of the show so i just uh, you know it's it's awesome to have both uh friends and, and fans of the show so thank you so much trick you should trick. see uh that interview oh my God. <laughs> it's I, yeah like i hope he figures out who attacks him like i really hope he gets like his lick back like i'm so oh uh, i'm ready for trick williams let's go with that iron survivor challenge let's go <laughs> <laughs> yeah deadline's coming up uh next week so you can definitely check out all of our coverage there and that interview should be up uh next week uh as well so make sure to check out the uh, comic book nation youtube channel for that and uh moving into uh some tabletop i'm very excited i get man this is like i get to geek out about all this stuff this is wonderful uh deceased if you've been paying attention to uh cool mini or not's uh big kickstarter campaign deceased a zombie side game uh is bringing the tom taylor i can say classic i can say like modern classic deceased is, is that definitely in that realm uh nice. to board game world and uh it's awesome but it just ended its campaign came in with like do you think 2.5 million is what it raised uh and one of the last expansions revealed was green lanterns <laughs> so you knew i was going to talk about it and you knew look at those minis oh my god kilowog also uh there is a storm uh there is a um detective chimp 
uh, mini as well in another expansion. So I mean, like this 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 whole thing uh, fed me for days. So that you can actually do uh, late pledges now. You can find uh, more information on the game and everything on uh, comicbook.com. But I was gonna shout this out because it's dope. I love Green Lanterns. I can't believe they got their own expansion for this. So this is great. Uh, moving into a couple, I think it was a couple weeks ago, maybe maybe like a month or so ago, I talked about the Witcher Old World uh, and kind of dove into a review on the core box. Well, they also released multiple expansions for that. And, uh, and I've had a chance to really uh, mess around with, with all of them, uh, mixing and matching a little bit. Because what's great is like you can... It's modular, so you can put one or you can play with all of them together. It's it's up to you. Um, the Mages expansion, the Skellige expansion, uh, and the uh, Legendary Monsters expansion are the ones that are kind of on top of the base game that you can get at retail. Uh, I messed with with all of those kind of mixing and matching, and I got to say, I, this is one of the few experiences where uh, I think... I'm typically not... like I'm typically very much like, hey, let's play with the core box and maybe like one expansion. I typically don't jump in because it's a lot of it adds a lot of like extra time uh to pack in like let's open up four expansions and play with that on on one given day i will say the mages expansion is not required none of these are required but i will say that one adds like all of these new characters the mages uh control in different ways and their power and their abilities are, are different there's a whole new like uh add on to the board and cards that you use for them specifically. Uh, and then also, so they go with your regular Witchers and the mixing matching of them, especially if they're all in the same game, is excellent. I, I can't recommend that one enough. Uh, Legendary Monsters is great too, because it essentially adds this, as you can see in the pictures before, there's this one where there's like this hulking mini on top of the board. And uh, it's like, it's huge. And uh, there's multiple ones in the expansion that you can pick from. Uh, they're all much harder to defeat but they also add things to gameplay so like it, you'll see right there that one's a biggie he's he's actually the one on the cover but there's a bunch more that you can pick from they're harder to take on but they also yield great rewards and then there's uh actually like a loop that they add when they're moving through spaces a lot like godzilla if we're gonna bring things full circle there they leave devastation in their wake but they also leave bonuses in their wake so players can actually go pick up things and help themselves out on the way uh so i i you know, the Skellige one is the one where you see with the ships and that one has its own creature and things. I will say that one's probably the least, uh, not not that it's not recommendable, but that's like the least important. If you were going to pick out of the three, I would say you would do Mages first because that one was probably my favorite and then Legendary and then Skellige. It's, it's cool to have all these other islands to go to. It's cool to have all this other story content, which is great in the core game, but it's just not as necessary. And because of the way you get there, it doesn't come up as frequently. So that would be kind of my list of recommendations there. Uh, last but not least, um, I will say, I don't know how everyone else does uh, Thanksgiving celebrations, but it was awesome. We had that, we got to have some family in town and uh, I put my game teaching skills to the test with Anissa's parents. <laughs> and I, I tried uh, a different game. That one did not go well. Uh, it just it just was not it was not floating. Tried another one, was not vibing. You know, it just depends on like the group you've got and what games they're going to vibe with. And well, then I came across name names. What games were these? <laughs> okay, yeah, it was so, like it, uh, I was like, you gonna throw games under the bus for this? No, no, wait. I'm not yeah. gonna throw games under the bus. <laughs> I'm not doing. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Uh, but what I will say is, um, Keymaster to the rescue with chicken. 
And literally the entire game is in this little bitty thing here. There's a bunch of dice. The board is like, you literally roll out a little mat. It was so easy to teach. And within like four minutes, I had everybody on the same page, everybody understanding like what they were going to do. There's a risk reward to it because you're like, you're trying to get some of the push the dice. There's a, there's a luck driven factor there of like, how many dice can I roll? I increase my chances to like basically knock myself out of the turn. So you're dealing with all that stuff and it deals with chickens, eggs and coops. And it's like a cute little design. It's actually not very expensive at all. So like this game was a lifesaver during Thanksgiving. We played the whole thing, had a winner. Everyone understood, had fun, was laughing. And like, those are the games you want to keep around for these things, especially with the holidays coming up, Christmas gatherings and stuff like that. I can't recommend this more. This was a lifesaver. And uh, so if you also have groups of people that maybe just aren't used to playing board games all the time, then I think this is a, a recommendation that like, go get it. It's fun. It's it's super easy, chill, laid back. Everyone will be laughing. It's great. So uh, that's my little spiel there. Of course, you can check out full reviews and, and, and in-depth coverage of all these games on comicbook.com as well. All right, let's move into comics because this was a, I got to give Kofi credit. This one slipped off my radar uh, because there was just a lot this week. There was a, a ton of books and I to totally missed this one. I, I knew it was coming out, but like I didn't, I didn't read it. And then he sends me a message. He's like, dude, we got, we got to talk about this. Uh, and then like uh, perfect timing, like blew up online because of big revelations that happened here for like the X-Men mythology and stuff, but also for characters in this book is X-Men Blue Origins number one. Um, this one is if you are a fan of Mystique, Destiny and Nightcrawler, those are the three central characters. This is very much, though, a mystique and and destiny story and it's a a all of a very tragic love story and also a story of like you know relationships but also motherhood and and also then has huge ramifications for mystique's power set uh the way she's understood by the x-men all these other things there's a lot going on xavier has a role to play in this this is one of those few books that like is a character study throughout but is also has meaningful effects for kind of the grander uh x-men and and the storyline i i cannot thank kofi enough for putting this on my radar this was fantastic i i just enjoyed immensely and i'll let him kind of run through why it's really important um but uh you know what do you think kofi um yeah somebody's got to keep this comics thing on track so i do my best but um yeah uh in all seriousness no i saw this because I've never seen a react, you know, comics usually take, like they come out Wednesday, DC comes out Tuesday, but Marvel comes out Wednesday and it usually takes a minute for things to happen. Like for people to read, absorb, react. This was instantaneous. Like I woke up on Wednesday morning and I was just scrolling around Twitter. And I'm like, why are Mystique and Nightcrawler trending like on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> and I looked into it and I was like, oh, and then I jumped into the book and I was like, oh, and I, again, like you, I knew this was coming, but I didn't, and they've been building to this for a while in the Uncanny Spider-Man, since the Hellfire Gala, um, Immortal X-Men, I think kind of touches on some stuff in here. But yeah, this issue was one of those game-changing retcon issues. And it's been interesting to read it, but also interesting to see people's reaction, okay? So I am going to talk full spoilers because this book has been out. It's Friday yeah. now, and it's all over the internet, and there's 
the point of interest that seems to be getting people into it. So they our original Nightcrawler's always had this crazy origin, right? Like he was born, he was abandoned, he looked demonic, you know, he had this hard life, but he found God, and you know, it was this ultimate looks like a devil, has a heart of an angel type deal. Um, eventually people were like, Well, he's blue, and this Mystique character's blue, there should be something there. And they were like, Okay, Mystique is Nightcrawler's mom. <laughs> and it was like, Okay, I get it. She had a blue baby. Then it was like, Well, why is he all demonic and whatnot? And so then we got the introduction at the time of Zazel, which was this huge, you know, Nightcrawler origin story, right? That Mystique had been impersonating this Baroness and like, you know, got with Azazel, this immortal mutant. It was weird, but he looked like a devil. It made sense to people uh, somewhat, right? Um, but it got kind of intricate after that because Azazel had this whole story about what he is, how where he's been and all this stuff. Cut to now. Now we're redoing Nightcrawler's origin again. And if you've been reading the House of X era of X-Men, like we've been since this show began, um destiny and mystique have become this very kind of spotlighted aspect of the x-men's world they've carried a lot you know they carry some of the best immortal x-men books you know forward or uh issues forward they were kind of key in in retconning a lot of sinister's history and the history yeah. of you know tracking him and they've made good use of them in their kind of long lifetime of showing you how they've been kind of how destiny has been tracking these visions, influencing things, using mystique and her ability to mimic things and how they've been moving together throughout time and, and shaping a lot of what we know about modern mutant culture and, and stuff like that. So this book brings that all together, right? Like it brings back, it brings together the kind of new take on destiny and mystique, and the big twist is that it ends up that they conceive Nightcrawler. And this is how people are freaking out because in our culture today and, you know, gender debates, they kind of just did this thing where they made it that Mystique was, quote unquote, the father of Nightcrawler, that it was her and Destiny's baby. Um, and we get this by way of a Jonathan Hickman style memo from one of my favorite characters, Dr. Nemesis. Yeah, so good. Scientist. Um, but he kind of assesses that machine uh, machine mystique is not a shapeshifter like we call her she's a gene manipulator meaning she has control kind of like apocalypse almost like over every single chromosome and atom in her body and she controls them at will and that's how she's able to change and mystique makes it simpler she's just like look bro I've been imitating men and women for decades. I've spent undercover as a man. I've spent undercover as a woman. Like, I'm not just imitating skin here, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, after a while, you you, you know, I, I figured out how to work everything about that, which raises a lot of, you know, giggle at the lunch table conversations about Mystique, but it does make sense when you really get into it. You can't go undercover as a guy, you know, you can't, be hopping between genders unless you begin to fundamentally understand a lot more stuff. It's not just wearing a skin and walking around and like she's had marriages and relationships and all that. Like we're all adults. We know what that means. Use your imagination. Okay. But like, so yeah, she had to learn to pull off these disguises. So there has to be something to that. Right. So there is a logic to this. But um, they made a baby, Nightcrawler's their baby. And it, and it really just retcons and solidifies the things that stop it agents of fandom <laughs> i'm not giving you details 
Thank you. Um, but, um, yeah, because Mystique and Destiny have become obviously these kind of cultural LGBTQIA kind of cultural icons for their kind of relationship. Um, this has just made Mystique an even more of an icon in that because it's saying like, yeah, she is kind of non-binary gender. Like it's it's a whole thing, and there's been this whole debate. People are losing their minds you know, online, two women make a baby? This is the end of our society. And it's just like, bro, if you think this is the weirdest thing that's happened in comic books to make a baby, <laughs> let me take you, let me tell you about that's it. That's very guy. true. <laughs> yeah. That's very true. That, that, is not a, that is not very far out there. Um, I, I have some things I want to add, but I want to first get to Janelle. Janelle, I know, you know, yeah, you've not you been know, the biggest X-Men person. Yeah, it could go either way. I, I mean, don't know where you're from. said everything. Like, there's nothing left to be said. Everybody knows what it's about, and we know the drama and all that. In the end, like, it's a well-written book. It's not boring. It keeps you engaged. And uh, even if you're not super familiar with all the characters, it's easy to understand. You recognize familiar names from the films, the old-school films, and things like that. So, I, yeah, I don't have a problem with this. And I genuinely did not know about people getting <laughs> upset about upset. the gender stuff because they fully explain it like in right. the book they're like literally she doesn't just like take on like a facade of a human she becomes whatever it is like right. she literally has lived as men um and so it's it's uh i i took i took that very easily like it didn't Right. Freak. I, like it made sense in my mind. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. And there's a whole write up. There's a whole page just from a scientist perspective explaining why. So I'm like, okay, science is sciencing. Makes sense to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I but, agree with you because I think yeah. they did that so well. They they yeah. like backed up the story with meaningful. Um, it you know we talk Reasoning. about things all the time. Right. Yeah. yeah. We talk about things all the time where it's like, oh, it's done for shock value or it's done just because they had no answer and. And right. I love how they play with it in this book with like little baby Nightcrawler. Like, oh, look, you yeah. can just ignore it. Like, he was oh, delightful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was really unique, too. Is that what that is? I just thought it was like some cherub. I didn't realize it was baby Nightcrawler. I thought he was just baby Nightcrawler. So he's just like <laughs> I love walking it. around. I love yeah, a sarcastic. narrating his own story. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I actually feel like that makes it less heavy of a story. And it's, it's a very important thing to have in here because it's that like, it's like that safe Marvel thing that they do. Like, they're like, hey, yeah. this is really heavy stuff, but like, let's add a little humor in here and it won't make it as crazy for you to handle. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's one of those, they did it with like, my always big gripe about that is that they do it too much. And right. here I thought it was like perfectly- or like 2g rated like this is like yeah. actually like he's like bleeping all over the place and like he's got a little <laughs> attitude and it's it's i love it yeah yeah Anyways. no and also the biggest thing for me was that they they didn't just explain like they didn't just make it a wikipedia post they didn't go hey here's how it can happen and here's all here's the explanation without if you lose the heart of of the story and you lose the heart of the characters and like what they're actually going through then it really just becomes a wiki post it's just an explanation for people to reference for 10 years from now until they redo it again my biggest thing is that in the moments that matter there's you know the moment when she actually when mystique reveals herself to her to the staff and is like hey yes i've been impersonating you know the bear in this entire time but the reason why is because she feels like her 
the newborn baby should not should know its mom like should should know the mom in like her true form and so she actually sheds and she becomes her and they have that moment where they're just next to their little one in the bed and i just thought i mean that's such a fundamental thing anyway of right of when they tell you in the hospital of like hey you you need to hold the baby needs to touch skin it's a real thing it's it's something that they need and, and it helps you bond that's very true to that. And I thought like the significance of the moment is number one, it reveals and it sets all these other chain events in play, but also it's just a very core parent moment. Um, and then for the whole thing of like destiny's visions, how that's so tragic. And and when he's like, I'm not a tool, I'm not just a, a piece of a plot, but then that whole, he was the, he's always the light in every universe. He's always the light that brings people back. And for that to tie into the end so well, yeah. That's just a that that gave me all the feels, man. I'm just like that's real, like that that that's, that's why this story rules. And then you get the nemesis stuff, and then you get all the explanations and ramifications. It's so brilliantly well done. This is like a perfect freaking book. I <laughs> I love this book it, so much. It brings Nightcrawler around, and that's what his whole thing in this Fall of X has been, or this House of X era has been. It's like when mutants conquer death and immortality. That kind of really messed Nightcrawler up because he's like the most heavily religious one of them all. So them just kind of being like, eh, we're the new God and we can come back from the dead. He was like, whoa, buddy. Right. He's been on quite a journey. But like, yeah, I, I think it was that whole thing that also, because I had to go back and read it again because when I was writing it up, I was like, wait, why did they stay? Like, why did they just leave him? And I went back and like, no, the book does a good job of destiny that whole arrival thing destiny being like we got to do this terrible thing to this kid but you know he's going to become great because of it and we need him to become that great thing and us as parents have to let that go and and let him be this in the world um yeah that's or it's a superman thing that's not more of a rival thing but like yeah and it's it's when you're a parent now that's such a mind screw right like I want to be with my child, but if I knew my child had this destiny that was bigger for the good of, you know, the law, greater good, would I be able to put aside my own kind of selfish wants and desires? And Misty can't, which I love in this story. And so they're like, we got to go to Xavier and I need you to mess my mind up for this. And just because, and I love that this is also a defining story about who Mystique is, um, because you know, the whole thing is like Mystique is nobody. She could be anybody. And then in this book alone, they bring it to a point that no, Mystique's defining quality is no matter how much she changes, there is this thing in the center of her, this kind of ironclad will to do things that is her kind of core defining characteristic. And so that's, it was kind of messed up that that's the thing that's going to work against her. She couldn't let go of Nightcrawler because she would always be going after him. And so not only does she get Xavier to change her mind, but to implant a memory that she gave it up. She gave him up, which is the only real way that she would ever accept that as a decision, that it was hers, right? <clears throat> and so that in that she is so ironclad in her will that even though it messes with her unemotionally, if she thinks it's hers, she could let that stand, right? And so that was kind of like, that was a really kind of a messed up turn to kind of how they captured and made all of the previous canon make sense was yeah. very well done. Except for the people who were mad that are like, well, he looks like a demon for no reason now. And it's like, I don't know, bro. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. Hey, listen to baby Nightcrawler. Just 
it, it just is. All right. It's just magic. <laughs> just, it's just, just deal with it. It's good. It's done. We're fine. I don't need them to retcon. This is to me almost a perfect retcon. I don't need any more. Like, don't do this again in five years. Leave it alone. No, please don't. It's please awesome. Don't. It's so clean and simple now. <laughs> it's so clean and simple now. He's the son of Mystique and, and Destiny. Guys, that this, makes the most sense. This is the X-Men. If it's not retconned in the next 10 years, I'll be surprised. Oh, boy. Yeah. It, well, it there's negative funny. Connor. <laughs> it is You're funny. You're back, how... baby. You're back. <laughs> mini series where Nightcrawler goes back into, like, medieval times and ends up being his own dad somehow. Like, yeah, we're going to go full Mo- Futurama. Moira, Moira McTaggart is my response to that. How many retcons does she have? Okay, stop it. I don't know. It is funny that Azazel one really good one. Azazel suddenly <laughs> become like a super like people are defending Azazel as like a yeah, favorite character. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, Red Nightcrawler, cool. Like I, I think we're no fine. one cares about Azazel. Yeah. <laughs> no one's ever cared about Azazel. Fine, we want to go there. Fine, like yeah, nobody cared. All of you on yeah. the internet, <laughs> amazing. Twitter is absurd. Like what we can make, what realities we can make that only seem to exist on Twitter. There is no Azazel fan club in anywhere in comics. Nobody cared about Azazel. I, I, Post X Men First Class, I, I right? Thought first like that Class was, was was a really good movie. That, that's my that's my response. To yeah, that. exactly. That's what everybody loved. X Men First Class that's cosplay. Movie. That's the most shine Azazel ever had. Ask sit anybody, even the hardest comic fan, down and be like, tell me everything about Azazel. Go. Red, no, red, nightcrawler. Nightcrawler, you may know. Nightcrawler, dad. I don't even think people know the immortal stuff. Like nobody knows anything about him. Like the most interesting thing with Azazel is him just hanging out with M Plate, and they haven't even done anything yet. And it's just like, yeah, Dark X Men people. And I think somebody posted that. I can't remember if it was one of our fans. And like somebody said. It's ironic that people are going this hard for Azazel, and I bet 98% of them don't even read the current comic series that Azazel is starring in or even know that it exists. Yep. So, <laughs> very much a- Elon oh. Musk Twitter these days. To cap this off, Brywood has a very – so we got a couple of comments, right? So uh, Andrew, comic book science, I agree. That's all you need to say. That needs to be the term and just leave it alone. Uh, Brywood more <laughs> only has one retcon. Technically, she's Cardi, like, but that's that's Jim not Vince Cardi. I think more people know Azazel from that movie than the comics. So agreeing with Connor there, and I and I gotta say, like I like First Class a lot. It's one of my yeah. favorite. Um, you know but yeah, Jay- I agree. Job is Azazel. Yeah, I didn't know Azazel was his name in the movie until long afterwards. <laughs> I was that like, "That's a cool yeah. red nightcrawler. That's a cool red nightcrawler that they found. That they get. I guess they just needed a character and threw it there." When your so, second yeah. most defining trait <laughs> is that you're red, there's a lot. There's a problem in the formula. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm so good with this. I love Mystique and Destiny. They're one of my favorite couples in comics, um, mostly because of their just their. I love their level of toxicity and dysfunction. It's it's very real, and they love each other. So it's like it's very good. And yeah, but they're always kind of like messing with each other, trying to. Then Raven's always pissed because Destiny's keeping some secret from her. Destiny's always pissed because Raven's always on some secret mission behind her back and stuff, trying to affect the future. It's great stuff. So yeah, just keep this. Nightcrawler has two mommies. It makes all the sense in the world to me. Um, not even he has a mom and you know mystique and she's just mystique at this point so there you go and we even get a little rogue tie again so that's that's yeah that's kind of fun so all right man i enjoyed the hell out of x-men blue 
Uh, I can't wait to see. Is this the only one? This is a special, or is there a series coming behind this? I think this is a one-off. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, but I could very well be mistaken on that, and I would love to see these characters and that the fallout from all this continue somewhere. So yeah. I will hope I'm wrong. No, I want to see a lot of this fall of X stuff condense the house of X stuff down. I get it. We're going to be kind of coming out of this era, but I would like to see some of this survive. Like, I think what mystique and destiny have done when it, like the future, the prophecies and immortal X-Men is great. I add Nightcrawler's end into that. Just combine his like, you know, faith of X or sort of church of X or whatever he's been doing. Just put them with them. Like, let them be a little family unit. That'd be great. Sounds good. That's comics, by the way. All right. And that is Comic Book Nation this week. As you can see, we have been all over the place from the shores of Godzilla to the shores of talking about, you know, Nightcrawler's two moms to I don't even remember. Oh, Mad Max. Mm -hmm. we, we talked about a lot in Squid Game. So we do it all for geek culture. We can't contain it in one show. Subscribe to us on podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple and subscribe to the comic book and the comic book nation YouTube page because there's tons of content we have going in every direction on all of these platforms pretty much at all times now. Otherwise, you can talk to us. You can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Connor Casey CBS and on YouTube at Connor J. Casey. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. Go, Nick. Oh, uh, yeah, you can find me at Valdezology and please check out my work at both comic book and pop culture. Perfect. You can find me at Janelle Wheeler or just Janelle on Twitch. All right. And thank you, guys. We will be back to hit you again with whatever is kind of going down in geek culture. Also, be sure to be checking out the poll list, our Matt Aguilar run show, where every week we take that comics discussion and go real deep into it. This week we talk about Spider-Man's big gang war popping off. And if you didn't see our interview with DC writer Tim Sheridan, this issue of Alan Scott Green Lantern has the potential to be one of those also character redefining chapters or issues of comic issues that we would love to see as an HBO show. So check out why by kind of checking out the poll list. Otherwise this is comic book nation and we will see you next time. Peace. Later.